welcome back to another episode of the Streaky the Line podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I've got Caroline with me tonight. Caroline, how's it going? Hey, it's good. How are you? <laughs> it is going uh, well. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, got yeah, some, all the things. Some reader questions, listener questions, uh, but certainly a couple games to recap, and, and sure. You and me tonight, so let's jump right into recapping a huge weekend uh, for UVA basketball uh, that's been covered in many places uh, ad nauseum uh, about losing to Duke uh, in a, a torrid shooting night for the Blue Devils uh, at yeah. the and uh, showing a lot of guts to, to pull out a hard-fought win on the road against North Carolina. So uh, we'll go game by game. How about that? We'll start with the loss. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a lot. We could probably do a whole hour about this Duke loss, but I think if you're listening to this, you've probably seen uh, plenty of thoughts. But but some major takeaways, uh, Caroline, how are you going to remember this game uh, until it maybe frames success or failure to the rest of the season. <laughs> but looking um, back. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that you can really take away from that game is that Duke is really damn good. Yeah. Uh, it was frustrating to see Duke shoot double their percentage from three than they came into the game with. Yep. Um, considering that they are already extraordinarily good and arguably the best team in the country, if they shoot 62% from three, and not just like they took – five and made four of them or something like that right, they right, took right. 21 and made you know 13 of them right. i think that's right number. yeah like, and it's if they shoot 50 percent, i think virginia wins so even if they shoot like a ridiculous <laughs> shooting percentage then virginia wins that game and it's not and people say like oh don't make excuses like it's not excuses that's just how it played out like yeah. they yeah, shot yeah. really well they were in a groove probably could have had better closeouts on some of them definitely not on 13 of them and I mean, they banked in one for right. goodness sake, you know, and when you have, yeah. yeah, when you have reddish going five for eight and Barrett going six for 10, like I, I quit, I give up. Like, I don't know what yeah. you're supposed to do there yeah. and then throw in Zion. So uh, there's so many thoughts on this because so Virginia from the field shot 47% and 42% from three, they scored 71 points. That performance from Virginia, even the way that they played defensively for most of the game, I still think Virginia wins that game against anyone else in the ACC and Duke most days if Duke doesn't shoot 62% from three. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, to give some context, if you, if you listen, Duke, including that game, only shoots 31% from three. Yeah, um, yeah. And they, so they, you know, you saw them last night against Louisville go start the game with this, of course, terrible stretch yeah. of shooting. <laughs> yeah, they shot. Of course they <laughs> saved that from Louisville. And and it doesn't really take anything away from Duke to me. I mean, I, you know, I think it answers the question that you got to have Duke as, as the best team in the country. Um, you know, I'm sure there's con- some Gonzaga and some Tennessee in that conversation. But to me, the fact that Duke was able to beat UVA twice in very different ways yeah, absolutely. speaks to the quality of the team. You know, because that, that adaptability or the, that flexibility to play to different – skill sets I, I almost said strengths but three-point shooting <laughs> yeah. isn't supposed yeah. to be a strength of theirs supposed to be i felt yeah. so lied to and they even shot well from the free throw line mm-hmm. which was also supposed to be and they've actually been doing they did that pretty well yesterday against louisville too yeah but the other part of it too is like some fans want to say like oh well virginia had 14 turnovers like they can't play that sloppy and and that is true 
with a slight asterisk of some of those turnovers are only turnovers against Duke where the length and athleticism of that damn team where they actually got Duke out of position several times, but they're so good. Like they just have raw talent with some of those freshmen that they make up for it. But so it's kind of like where we used to say stuff with like, trying to think of the best player maybe you could even say with Diakite or Huff like Mm -hmm. coach Bennett always says like if you're getting that many blocks that means like someone was out of position and like they make up there it's like an erasing thing like they can make up for it by just being athletic and recovering like Justin Anderson could do that Justin Anderson Uh was an eraser like he might have gotten out of position but he could chase you down and block it or whatever Duke has like four of those dudes like (laughs) all at the same time that are better than Justin Anderson was like so it's kind of like okay, yeah, some of those passes could have used a little bit more. Um, but it's kind of, again, only something that happens when it's this Duke team. And, and it's hard. And I understand why people do it, and I do the same thing, that now the two losses or stress about some games, let's say the NC State game, stress about that was a win, but stress about that game made people think about the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight game against Syracuse, right? Like trouble with the press. Mm-hmm even though I don't think that they had that much trouble breaking the press, it was finishing things on the other end. Like that's well, that, that's part semantics. of it. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's really like, okay. And nitpicking at that point from my side, um, like I'm nitpicking, not the other people, but that reminded people of Syracuse. Then you look at this game and people are like, well, it's just like what happened with UMBC. Like they shot really well. Like, yeah. The thing with being so good for the past few seasons and not losing anytime Virginia loses, people want to freak out. And I get it because it brings back these horrible memories because you don't do it that often. But yeah. yeah. Case, you can literally yeah. just look at it and be like, and, and I do think Duke is the best team in the country, but I don't think that Virginia can't beat them. Like if Virginia gets them, if both teams are on the court and shoot what they're statistically supposed to, and I know you can't just be like, well, statistically Virginia should win this game. But if you don't get a freak performance like Virginia going three for 17 or Duke going 13 for 21 from three, that's literally been the difference in these games. So yeah, keeping it within 10. And I know P I saw people say like, we're not here for moral victories or like pats on the head. Like, and I don't even think that's that Virginia is so good that they were able to even cut it to four, despite yeah. the fact that Duke was playing out of their asses. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's something to be said in like, don't freak out totally because like Virginia was so good. They kept it close where it was respectable. Whereas if this happened to any other team, it would have been a 25 point loss, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, it had the potential to be a total mauling. Um, and yeah. I, I think I was relatively happy with Virginia's uh, performance for those reasons. They showed some resolve to cut it right before the half uh, yeah. and, and then to come back somewhat uh, in the second half. It doesn't mean there weren't weaknesses or things. Oh, to sure. Absolutely. About. Too, too many turnovers. Much like the, the Carolina game, which we'll get to in a second, there, there were a lot of positives and plenty of negatives. You know, a lot of things I think that the coaching staff can obviously point to and some of that you can work on. Uh, and yeah, if we're talking the the most concerning thing, it's got to be the turnovers because that has been an issue, issue. for a number of games in a row. Um, there's always ifs and buts. There's always, you know, yeah. well, if Duke doesn't shoot so good, then we probably beat them. Well, yeah, that's true. But also, you know, that there's games we win that the other team is missing wide open shots. You know, UVA isn't playing flawlessly, but the other team doesn't convert. And Duke 
is probably the best team in the country. And this time they were converting, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they won because they're the better team. <laughs> you know, they right. Made, like, what I mean is like, yeah. I don't want people to take away, like some people are saying like, I don't want to see them again. Like, do I want to see them oh, again yeah, in like the yeah. elite eight? No, obviously. And then that's, that type of thing won't line up. As or like, Charlotte or. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, in the ACC tournament, bring it on. It's either the semis or the finals. And honestly, I'm way with what like um, Titus and Tata said, like, and we talked about too, like, cool. I want to win an ACC title again, tournament title. Mm-hmm. If Virginia loses to Duke in the semis, like, all right, cool. Let's move on to the NCAAs. Like sure. I'm not like that, yeah, bo- yeah. that box has been checked. So I want to play them again, just out of curiosity. Yeah. Like, I think it would be a big surprise if we don't play them again in Charlotte. I I mean, yeah, I think so too. Easy yeah. statement to make considering that he's just handled Carolina essentially handled. I, and, and, yeah, know, we'll, we'll get right into that game in, in just a minute. But I do want to say that, like, it's different for the fans and, and the competitors in terms of do I want to play Duke again in March, you know, in, in the, yeah. and I know every single guy on the team is saying yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Cause they, they, yeah. they have that confidence, um, you know, obviously. We time, want that. Yeah. We want them to have that confidence. They, they wanna, we don't want to. Yeah. If we as see. fans might enjoy <laughs> that. I think if the end game is win a national title or, or get to the final four, yeah. You know, if that's our goal as fans this year, too, no, we don't want to play Duke fucking. Are you fucking <laughs> I know, right? They beat us twice. They're really, really good. I would, <laughs> I would much rather get to the Final Four and not have to play Duke than go through Duke. Now, is is absolutely Duke and winning that game the gold standard dream scenario? Of course. Yes. <laughs> but me as a fan, I don't want them to have to deal with that play. Yeah. You, you, you root for upsets in the other games. And oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, care. I, I don't care if it's 316 seeds in Virginia in the final four. Right. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, no, you know, um, and before, the part, and they startled with 16 seeds. But anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I said it and I was like, ooh, that's going to. And there um, are a couple of questions that we're going to get to in our mail. Yeah. Because the, the, the way things are shaking out, like these two teams are too good. And honestly, the way that if Tennessee keeps up, well, even if, uh, even if Kentucky takes over the SEC, looks like whichever sec team kentucky or tennessee Mm -hmm. takes that south um region virginia in the midwest isn't terrible it's kansas city it's not that far like it's not chicago (laughs) and you're anyway yeah it's not like (laughs) chicago and you're stuck in like playing michigan state in front of a michigan state crowd like that kind of shit or like you know whatever and so part of me is like in the way that way not why i'm saying this now is like if duke stays the one in the east and Virginia's in the Midwest, then those two teams, they wouldn't see each other until the finals. Oh, like the way I, that the brackets yeah, that is are set a good up. Point. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, like I'm okay with that. Like, so yeah, and, yeah, Some I'm with story, you. Like, storybookness to it. Yeah. Um, but let's jump into the Carolina game. Uh, they responded in a quick turnaround. The last yeah. time I believe they had this turnaround, they went over against the Tobacco Road teams. Um, but this team jumped out to a decent, you know, a comfortable sort of uh, UVA type of performance, um, and then had Carolina get a little bit closer, and, and then almost very close with that, that buzzer beater. Um, <laughs> oh, man, let me tell you what. And then the second half, I mean, the wheels came off, you know, it was like what was working in the first half wasn't working in the second half. Um, and we'll get to some of that probably, but <laughs> it was clearly personnel decisions uh, or, or I should say strategy 
Carolina decided to change up what they were doing based on UVA's personnel. And yes, I'm talking about the point guard position. <laughs> um, we'll you know, and, some, and careless turnovers. It wasn't just Carolina changing how they were attacking the basket, which they did and was smart and worked for, call it, the third quarter. Um, but UVA was helping by missing some shots, taking some bad shots, and th- I mean, I'm thinking of the worst one, but there was more than one turnover in that stretch for sure. Uh, they, they it wasn't as bad. And this is going to be like blasphemous, I guess. But this wasn't as it wasn't as bad turnover wise as I think people remember it. The turnovers obviously stick out, but there were also like like that stretch or the whole that game? stretch. So uh-huh. like when Virginia was up eight with 17:45 to go, uh-huh. it was a missed three pointer. They got an offensive rebound, made a layup missed three-pointer like so Ty missed a jumper they rebound it missed a three-pointer offensive rebound now it's you know then a three-pointer off of that so they were selling one of the things so like that Kenny Williams one that gave them a lot of momentum that made it a three-point game was the one that Kobe White airballed it Um, (laughs) and he missed it so badly and the guys were like yeah i don't want to say they were selling out for the rebound but like it was one of those points of emphasis where it's like no more stupid ass luke may getting not that he's a stupid ass but like just the play of like getting this offensive rebound so it went literally right into the hands of garrison brooks on the far side of the basket because the uva guys were there to box out and it went all the way over the box out some of that ties it out into, so wide open, and then you get momentum. Yeah. Then Virginia missed another jumper. They get a rebound, turns into a dunk. Like, and so when DeAndre hit a jumper, three pointer to make it four points again. Like, then there was a turnover from Diakite, like trying to get out to tie. There was a run out and an easy bucket. So most of it, while the turnovers were an issue, yes, and created the need for Virginia to swap what they were doing, which I think. I wrote about this in the post game thing. I was like, I think this is one of the better coach games from Tony Bennett. And we can talk about that, but um, it wasn't as dramatic in the actual comeback. If that makes sense. You. Yeah. Because overall, the turnovers were, yeah. are still an issue for the game, but they may not have <laughs> the biggest role to right. play in that right. stretch uh, where Carolina took a lead and, and UVA showed great resolve to come Unbelievable. back. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, if, you know, real quick, that's, that's 10 turnovers uh, against UNC. And the, the obvious next weakness is giving up offensive boards. They gave up 18, a little of that. I, obviously you can, um, attribute to the fact that Carolina takes a lot of deep threes. Yeah, and, and actually weird. I think they had four or five in the last like 40 seconds. Sure, it's still like, I'm not going to foul you. Like, it's, it's still it's, way too many. Right, and, uh, but that's something you expect against Carolina. Like that is part of Carolina's game plan and that's something that you, and right. they are extremely good at it. But so. the point I'm making is that it's been <laughs> carrying over from the Duke game sure. and a couple of games before yes. that. The Duke game, they had 14 turnovers. Uh, they gave up eight offensive boards. Which was normal. Which that's pretty there. good, actually. Um, Miami, they had 14 turnovers and gave up 12 offensive boards. That's bad. Uh, both of those are, are too much there. <laughs> and uh, I'll get to the NC State game once my <laughs> stat boy gets back to me. How about that? But I, you know, it's just it's it's these these are the, these have been the, the the concerning things to me more than the shooting. Uh, ups and downs that yeah, we see because the shooting ups and downs is, is is more normal. I mean, that's just sort of 
you know, basketball. And plus, I think we saw uh, Kyle in particular uh, respond a little uh, at the end of the Carolina game. So I'm, I'm less concerned uh, about our ability on offense to make shots as I am about the turnovers. And then finally, okay, State, I got it. 16 turnovers uh, for the Hoos gave up 16 offensive rebounds. So even worse than the Miami game against a, some might say slightly better team than Miami in state on the road. So anyway, that's four stretches that that we've had this, like, uh, I mean, they're three and one, like I'll fucking take it. Right. Obviously. But we're going to talk weaknesses because obviously there's plenty to talk about in the good and bad. Um, the, those those stick out to me for sure and the i think part of it is this, yeah and also i and i completely agree that's a place that you like virginia does not give up points generally is offensive rebounding um this is that stretch especially with with duke and so i won't make excuses for miami because they don't have big guys and i don't know what's going on there <laughs> um that game just all together i think was a little bit wonky with like tie out so i'm, I'm more willing to like throw that game out with the like throw that baby out with the bathwater and just never talk about the Miami game again. Like I'm just like, all right, like that one was weird. Didn't have full like compliment of whatever. Um playing these teams in succession that like to do the same things and have some similar um strengths. Like I don't think it should negate like if this if the NC State game happened, all of it happened the same way, but there were like three games of where they didn't have that many turnovers and didn't give up the offensive rebounds, and then like the same they were more spaced out. Like I don't think we'd be freaking out, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be freaking out. I'm just saying like I think that the, these are teams that do those things well in succession, yeah, so it yeah. looks worse than it is. You're maybe? playing good teams. Sometimes you're going to they're going to do <laughs> good things, and that, right, you know, yeah, that's especially like since that is ability to have perfect stats. Right. Yeah, I and, get and it. Carolina does those things, and I th- I was trying to go back and talk myself off a ledge about the turnovers. I'm more willing to like overlook or given a pass on some more of the aggressive turnovers so like trying to thread a pass (laughs) i'm more i'm actually more mad about those where i'm like if you're trying to thread a pass to like a good cut and someone like gets a like a zion gets a hand on it or something like that like i'm more willing to forgive that than like a bad alley-oop pass or just a pass out of bounds, even though it's a dead ball turnover. And we do like those more than the others. Well, sure. Uh, or offensive. Like we, there was probably in that stretch of like, those games have had like two to three offensive, re- like fouls called, which go as turnovers. And so if like, they're going to call Dre for a charge. I call it yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but that counts yeah. as a turnover. So now no, it's no, back to single digit turnovers and we're less like freaking out about it. You know what I mean? The, the so, other reason these two things tie in so clearly, not because they're, they've both been weaknesses, but also that it's so critical for a team that limits the amount of possessions in a game as sure. it does that both of those are giving the team, the other team an extra possession, you know? So yeah, absolutely. It's so imperative that they get this wrapped up or they're only going to go three and one for the rest of the season. And the good news is you don't have to play Duke again. And the other good news is um, they stopped turning it over for the last 12 and a half minutes of the UNC game. The good news is they're still winning these games despite having, having some weaknesses that that come back to bite them. So, you know, yeah, it's certainly not fair 
to to get angry at this no and these are questions that are fair to ask but it is absolutely fair to yeah exactly to be upset with with some of the performances and the whole um I mean, how much do you want to talk about the Notre Dame game? <laughs> we hope we don't need to talk about it a whole lot because yeah. it, it should be a blowout for the Who's, but you never know. Um, it's good that they get a little bit of rest. Uh, I know. I mean, we can start the mailbag with at least one question as, as we talk about Notre Dame. Sure. I, we don't know the degree to which Ty is hurting. Um, so is really, Ty we have no way to know our answer. No, but he, even if he's he's obviously able to play, Lord willing, we, it's sure. not like he's regressing after Carolina yeah. or something like that. But if he if he's call it seventy percent, would you just go ahead and rest him against a, an overmatched Notre Dame squad visiting Charlottesville and think we'll probably get the W? It might be better to to give Ty just the extra rest. And even take the loss if you need to, you know, I mean, it would be a pretty awful loss. <laughs> so let's not think that. that yeah, let's not do that. Is there let's, any reason? I, kn- I already know the answer for Tony Bennett is no. Uh, you know, he's not yeah. going to rest him. And, you know, Ty probably doesn't want to rest either. No, he definitely does not. But uh, is there some <laughs> logic to that? I mean, I, I think there is some logic, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, this comes with the I'm not a doctor disclaimer. Right. Um <laughs> It all for me depends on like what the injury is. Is this like a sciatic nerve thing where it's like it just has to work itself out and you can't really like re- more injure it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I say because like, they were doing heat packs and icy hot and all that stuff on the bench like during the game against UNC, and he definitely looked more comfortable than he did against Duke. And yeah. when when someone brought that up to him after the game, one of the other reporters, he was like did I not look comfortable against you? Like he was like slightly offended. It was, it was pretty funny. I mean, I think, yeah. I'm I'm surprised. Like, yeah. He looked clearly hurt to most. Yeah. It was mostly like at the end of the game, he looked more like when he was coming in to talk to media, he was like, Oh no, you know, the Mm -hmm. shots wearing off and that makes everyone real nervous. I think. Um, I wouldn't, I don't think, first of all, I trust Doc Saliba. He's the best. He's like the nicest human being alive. I don't think they'll rest him. If they do need to, they absolutely will. Like, yeah. In talking to some of the people, like, you know, I don't know. I'm like, Ooh, sources, but in talking to some of the folks here and there, like they know that the more important thing is the postseason. Like they're not going to risk Ty Jerome's health for of course, a midseason game against Notre Dame at home. I think he plays. It'll probably be hopefully to the point where, they don't need him the whole time and he gets more rest anyway. This should be, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to jinx things, but I mean, the last time they played Notre Dame at Notre Dame, they scored 82 points. So I think you should be pretty comfortable to say like they should, he should be fine yeah. and probably will play closer to 30 minutes than 37 or 25 minutes. than. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, obviously that's the hope for sure. I think um, in previewing Notre Dame, it is interesting that they're, they're dude, Nicola jo- Jogo. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't paid attention to how to Cal Jogo. <laughs> but he went off against Boston college. They've won two of three um, with wins over Georgia tech and on the road at Boston college. He owed 21 points um, and hit, uh, let's see, four, three pointers. So, uh, he's someone that they're going to want to close out on, probably. Though he hasn't shot very well in most of any other game. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched no. that Georgia Tech Notre Dame game. It was uh, it was a lot of yuck. Brutal. I'm not going to lie. It was yeah. Gross. 
I also feel like we weren't positive um, enough uh, in, in our game recaps, um, maybe in highlighting some specific play. Um, so if you want to take a moment to, to give some props to some specific individuals before we get into our Oh, game. from the last couple games? Yeah, well, maybe particularly this weekend's games. Um, yeah, I think Kyle's performance on, yeah. on, on Monday, whatever day that was, was outstanding, and I don't think I've ever seen him that fired up. Um, and when I talked to him after the game, it it was nice to see, cause he was like, you know, I got real frustrated in that stretch. Like that's the thing when fans say like, Oh, he's been cold. He's had like a tough stretch. Like the players know that too, you know, like they're living that life. So he, and he told me he always like puts this pressure on himself to make like the Hollywood play every time. And he felt himself like kind of get back in his head after he missed a couple shots in that stretch where Carolina climbed back in and like took the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, no. And he said, he's like, I was like, no, F this. I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, and so he just kind of got back in the place where he was able to kind of know what he's capable of and hit those big shots. And I thought he played really, really well. Um, I think same goes, I mean, Ty's assists, like he was just dishing it left and right. And obviously you guys have to make yeah. shots to like get assists. Um, 11 assists, 15 points, double, yeah. double, bad back. Second, yeah, home. exactly. It's pretty um, solid. And obviously – as much as I don't know how much Dre was affected by bonking heads with Mamadi, um, but he had and Duke did a really nice job of keeping him quiet with their length and mm-hmm. bothering him. So it was nice to see that aggressive Dre come out, and he also knew when to pass and when to take it to take it himself. So he had two really nice passes in the end of the game. Although the one to Jay Huff was a little bit of a buddy pass, like <laughs> Jay mess of Jay. That was a turnover. Like I don't know how Jay got that. <laughs> like. He passed into Jay with three dudes on him, and he somehow came up with the ball and got it in for the and one. Um, yeah, it's just a monster. He's, yeah. he's... <laughs> and uh, I know we'll probably get into it, but I, I do think Kihei in the first half was outstanding, especially the beginning when Carolina was getting comfortable um, to come up with the to hit the three, get the steal, and have the wherewithal to pull it out. Yeah, that was fun. Set the offense, you know, and uh, he's gotten praise now from coach K and um, from I think Roy as well, but I'll have to double check, but in Tony, obviously um, for coach K had to change what he was doing with how they brought the ball up and how they handled uh, Trey Jones with him because of like the stuff that Kihei was doing. And he definitely has his limitations offensively. Mm-hmm. I think coach Bennett taking him out of the game in the second half against Carolina was huge. And one of the reasons they won. So there are times where he should not be on the court. Um, but I think that there's things that he does extraordinarily well. And when they use him in the right ways, he's a huge benefit to the team. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's, we're going to get into right now with the mailbag and, and, and talk a little bit. <laughs> is it time? Is it yeah, time? Yeah, I think we should. Um, but a lot of that is going to be um, probably Kihei focus. Cause I think there's been a lot of, a lot of, uh, hot takes I mean, hot takes is so overused a lot of take yeah. a lot of yeah. opinions people people have opinions let's get into it um <laughs> there was the, i think the best the the most articulate one about it was an early question here uh, from my man garrett and he has what would you say is the money lineup for crunch time in a close game also do you think we'll see less of clark down the stretch I like the kid, but he's currently a liability. I mean, he showed his strengths in the Carolina game early, and he showed uh, the liability part, uh, you know, is why he got benched. 
Um, I know you're going to say it comes down to matchups, but uh, yeah, it absolutely does. Maybe I'm going to answer, because I'm anticipating you have a lot to say. So I always say, yeah, I like I like in crunch time. Probably not having Kike because he's a freshman. Because there's a couple liabilities there. He he shoots his free throws though. So you know if he's playing well. And again, it all depends on matchups. Is is a clear overhand? <laughs> yeah, because you don't know who's going to be fouled. Exactly. Yeah, who are they playing? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot less of him. Um, again, depending on on the matchups, and that probably speaks some to Bennett enjoying him as a player. Obviously, like you know, yeah. he likes what he brings, um, and the depth at the at the guard position is just not that. I mean, you got to spell tie. And Kyle, he clearly doesn't trust Marco like he, do, he does Kihei. So, you know, it's the only answer to it. So I don't see how you could play him all that much less uh, than we've seen the last few games. But, uh, yeah. So. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to do a little disclaimer first that something that's been frustrating me for a few few years now. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is my festivus. I feel like we should have some intro music. To... <laughs> I know. I need like a background intro, yeah. background music as I do this. No, and I get a lot of flack um, for like the optimism, and I know a lot of it's joking, like whatever else. But um, from a, at a certain point, it becomes, and I don't want to be too dramatic, but it becomes a little insulting, like that. I can only think of like positive, like I can't accurately assess the team because I'm like, no, oh, but I like them. <laughs> um, I like all these guys; they're great. I'm glad they're on the team. They have limitations. They all make mistakes. They, um, you know, not Jack, Malcolm. not Malcolm. He was perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know like you look at and I will say Jack is not a huge offensive threat he has improved in things like in catching the ball in his hands his screens are important his defense is very good but there are things like I don't want him to back down Ethan Happ and try and take several hook shots mm-hmm. I don't want Kihei Clark to face a like a trap in the open court um or just you know like um just as they cross midcourt mm-hmm. and try and and get out of it because that's a lot to ask of the kid uh, same as I don't like when he gets into trouble late in the shot clock or goes in and doesn't know what to do with the ball or waits maybe a little bit too long to take a shot, then that gets blocked dramatically back in his face <laughs> and it turns into a fast break for UNC. Right. Those right. are things that are liabilities and that are issues. Um, however, that does not mean that I can't see and properly assess these players. Like I don't like the jokes about Mama Bear and, oh, you made her mad she said something mean about the players. Like, you can critique a player and not throw everything out and say that they played like trash or that they shouldn't be on the court or that this is a direct quote that this team would be better if Marco had all of his minutes. Like I I can't, like I I just, I just can't because it's just wrong. It's just right. How could that be true? First of all, the team is 21 and two. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, yeah, that's a good point. So, so let's start there, folks. Yeah. Um, so what I like that Kihei does is, yes, I 100% agree with you, and a lot of this is matchups. But he – so Notre Dame, I mean, how much did he play the last time out? But, like, with Louisville down the stretch twice, they have Ryan McMahon and Kristen Cunningham. Kristen Cunningham is a fast guard who will be slowed down by, by Kihei. Ryan McMahon is the same thing that's, like, a pain in the ass on the outside and can be slowed down by Kihei. He will see a lot of minutes against Louisville in both those games. Um, the last time the two of them played, he played 27 minutes. Um, 
So, you know, he's going to play some on Prentice Hub. He's going to play some on TJ Gibbs. And TJ Gibbs had nine points, went four for seven, 0 for five from three. So, like, Kihei's going to play in some of those games. They've got Virginia Tech again, but Justin Robinson's out. So does that change where he plays in those situations? So He's got to play regardless. Like I said, yeah, he, off, but yeah, no, it's, you're no right. Other option, you know. What, what I think frustrates me the most and why I continue to say, like, there are situations in which he absolutely should be on the court. There are situations when he needs to be on the court because of guys getting rest. Um, but there are like this team is successful only when, and this ties into like the Jack J debates too. Like this team is only successful. Like they have to use all of these guys, right? Yeah. yeah. They use these guys in different ways. So having Kihei on the Clark, Kihei on the Clark, Kihei on the court, <laughs> allows Ty and Kyle to run more screen off of screens and do other yeah. things. So that changes the way they can open up the offense. Having Jack out there sets more screens, gets Kyle and Ty more open. Gets, you know, you can set stuff for whatever. And he's a good offensive rebounder, actually. When he stays back behind, he can tip it out like Isaiah did. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's not, for me, it's not an either or. It's an and. It has to be an and. So do I want Kihei and Jack in clutch situations? So to answer the question the longest way possible, I liked the lineup they had out at Carolina. So I want to see Jay and or – we rarely see Jay and Mamadi together, I feel like, but uh-huh. Jay or Mamadi with he, Hunter, Guy, and Jerome. Like that's the best crunch time lineup in my opinion. Depending on, again, yeah. matchups because you could need Jack in there for defense, but you don't want him in there for offense in case it comes down to free throws. Yeah, I, I mean, if we're if we're narrowing it down to to no ors, I'm I'm going Mamadi. Yeah, me too. And I like the key. I think I I agree. Yeah, I have the same answer. Kyle, Ty, Hunter, Key, and Mamadi. It would be yeah. my answer. And um, Key's not great shooting, but he can get to the. And I don't want to say not great because he can hit shots, but he's only he's like hovering around thirty percent from three. Yeah. I think he's a better three point shooter than that shows. Um, but his rebounding ability and his just like workmanship the blue guy yeah he's a, he's the he's the like blue collar grit dude that's yeah. he's the one diving on the floor and um not i think we've guy. we've seen a huge a huge benefit um, absolutely and he doesn't get talked about and that's you know partly our fault because we're, we're the media right we don't talk about him big big M media um <laughs> uh, next question you have to build a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Do you pick Bodo's bagels or mashed potatoes from the dining hall? This is easy. This uh, you, you you would use mashed potatoes. Yeah, it's easier. I think it's an easier medium. Yeah, how am I going to make bagels look like Thomas Jefferson? I don't have that artistic ability. Not that I could do shit with mashed potatoes, but I could at least make like something that human looks forms. like a, a human, or or if we're going like uh, the, just the face. Who, we should read out who the questions are. Who, what was the – so people – That was RMJ equals hero. I don't know. Awesome. Does he go by RMJ or Roger Mason Jr. <laughs> equals hero? Well, we can ask him. Do you, do you, okay, so we got uh, our buddy Jeff. Do you think that the lack of guard depth will eventually come back to bite us? Guy and Jerome are both getting less than five minutes of rest every game. Uh, it could. I do think that I just mean that is a that is a position in which I I will also add to the and one of the things that Kyle and Kihei do very well is they don't foul a lot. So in depth ways, I'm more concerned about injury than I am them not being able to be on the court or just legs, you know? Yeah, legs like tight. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in one sense, yes, that it is the thinnest. There is, honestly, Marco gave some, I trust Tony, but Marco gave some pretty solid (laughs) minutes at Maryland when we needed to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So if y'all are looking for someone to come in and be this like offensive spark, you're not going to get it from our bench depth because it's going to be Kihei and Marco. And Kihei Uh and Marco are are defensive guys that are going to come in and do better things on defense than they are on offense. That's just full stop how it's going to go. Obviously, Marco's bigger, but I think he also doesn't have quite the feel of when to take shots and when to pass as much as some of the other guys. Yeah, I mean, Kihei looks immediately comfortable and has all year. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, there's been stretches where he's played poorly or looked like he's, but he it, uh, primarily again it, like bothers him. You know, he looks yeah. like he he feels like he he belongs. Um, yeah, he gives me more. That's why I say he gives me more of a London vibe. Like he's chill. Like he's not gonna. But the other thing that to bring Braxton Key right back into it mm-hmm. is worst case scenario, you throw out like a Jack. Jay Oy and or Mamadi um, with Hunter Key and a guard. So you can create you could you play could them put on the two, wings. Yeah, you could play Hunter on the wings and make Braxton the four. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um well, right, that's what we yeah, want. Sorry. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You can play them at the two and three. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So sort of. Yeah. Um, that would be a pretty interesting. I think the up. the legs. It, you know, we've seen it before. Is the only reason I'm sort of nervous by it. I think in general, when you've got these veteran guys who have played most of the games of most of their career, it shouldn't be a huge issue. But yeah. I think it, the classic example for UBA fans is Joe Harris. Um, after a big win against Duke, seemed to lose his legs the rest of the season. I think that was an off-sighted thing. I have not looked up any stats. I yeah. remember that he wasn't shooting very well um, against Michigan State, but I, I couldn't tell you if that was a, a game blip or a trend for the rest of the season. But I think that was a narrative, was, was that his shooting sort of fell off at the end of that year. And you think maybe it's because he's tired. Because of course they're all tired, but I, I don't know. I'm not worried about it like I am. Uh, the things we discussed earlier, uh, yeah, would be my answer. Uh, what else we got here? Danny from the blog <laughs> says you favorite in every remaining regular season game. Would any loss be cause for concern? Would they just be learning experiences? Uh, I'll take this one first. It depends on the loss, right? Yeah. (laughs) All our answers to all these questions are depends. Well, no, and that's what he's asking us. He's like, are there any of these that – I think that's what he's asking. Are are there any of these that you'd be like, okay, that's just beyond bad? I think Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh at home, you got to win. Yeah. Those are 90 – I mean, and Notre Dame this weekend. But those are all 95-plus percent favored. Um, Yeah. Weirder it's, things it's, have yeah. happened in the ACC. And again, this is like, you know, if Virginia is at full strength, then I don't have a lot of concern. Like that would be one where I was like, that's a bad loss. Any if of that a, would be, yeah, but really, really concerning just because how, <laughs> you know, yeah, how, exactly. how is that possible? But I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, they lose to underman tech on the road, like it's still a road game against a team right. that's shown they can play pretty well without Robinson. And right. then Syracuse and Louisville, their only other two road games remaining, both good teams yeah. beating anybody at home, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. So, especially like Pittsburgh has played a little bit better, and I think there's still a little, uh, um, they're so like, bad. There's still this stigma of like they went 0 and 18 last year, so it's kind of like 
they're not that same team, you know. So I feel like people have a little bit extra of they're still so bad because it's, of how it's bad an afternoon last year was. game. I feel like the home team gets less of an advantage in an afternoon game to me. I have yeah. again no stats to back that up. But <laughs> Just gut feeling is what always here. Way. Yeah, we're gonna do like gut feeling analytics. I'm yeah. all for that because I was. So yeah, those those I guess yeah we're in agreement. Yeah, yeah. Those would be the cause for concern. Um, we already talked about sitting Jerome. Uh, no, not, it's probably not going to happen. But you know, there might be some logic to. Are we okay with eight man rotation going into March? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I am. Yeah, I think you know it's worked it, so far. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, if you get too much deeper than that, because we've seen both sides of that, right? There was a couple years ago where people were complaining that they, he was playing nine guys and it, no mm-hmm. one could get in a rhythm and no one could get comfortable and that kind of thing. So I think it's there's silver linings for each, like having an eight-man rotation, I think more there's now more consistency with guys who are playing with the same lineups and the same things that, you know, they're, yeah, they know each good. other and they know yeah. tendencies. And you got three guys coming off the bench that are all very strong competitors and all have, you know, benefits that they bring to the court when they come on. I'm, I'm fine with eight. Yeah. I, uh, I feel badly saying that loud because now I'm like, do I need a knock on wood? And like someone's going <laughs> to like lose an appendix tomorrow. Got a question from Brian who says, is there a potential role for Jay Huff in attacking the Syracuse zone? Yeah, I, 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 obviously there's a potential for Jay in uh, any sort of attack play because he brings such a different skill set and, and different physicality than, than anybody else. I don't know that I like him in that Brogdon position at all. Maybe yeah, I'm putting Hunter there. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah. So and that might not be what, what Brian here is asking, but it, that's what I think of, and it makes me laugh. Because, yeah, it, there is sort of something to put the big fucker in the lane at the top, and he's going to catch any pass you throw to him, and that opens up some movement. Yeah. Um, no, I, I this is a game that I... That they do with the bigs, I think he could be perfect for it. Yeah, absolutely. He could shy for a three-pointer, which they're probably not expecting for most of the bigs um, yeah. that they face there. Except so, Jack, yeah. So absolutely, yeah. Jay, Jay could have a, a big role. I think him and him and Mamadi could have a big game. Because that, that also sets up, like, they could be susceptible to more lobs, and that's those are the guys mm-hmm. that, you know, if you get, like, Hunter at the – I love Hunter there. And Ty, Ty, I think, has shown that he, he can play there. And if not, I have the best confidence in, in him <laughs> showing there for sure. If they go into that three-guard lineup with Ty, yeah. Kyle, and Kihei on the floor. Ooh, I like Ki. I like – yeah. this should be – when I think about the players that are on this team, this should be, again, nervousness, knock on wood, a team that can handle – we've seen them play – like other teams throw zone at them and they've struggled at times. It is always tough when you – are playing man for a half and then they throw zone at sure, you. Sure, sure, sure. You see what Louisville did Different last night. Than with that. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, man, that was like a hot potato. Like, <laughs> just don't give me the ball. I don't want it. Um, but yeah, like I think that. that, yeah. that I won't even bring up losses that I've seen UVA act like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. next question again from Danny: If UVA does not get the number one seed in the East or South, DC and Louisville uh, respectively, would you rather them get the two seed in a region than get the number one seed further away in the Midwest or West? And uh, that would be KC or LA, or should we not look past the first round of the NCAA tournament? <laughs> of course, we're not looking yeah. past the first round. Yeah. Danny, that's obvious. Um, but no, I would never root or hope they get a two seed over a one seed. Um, I don't think location matters that much. I guess you get into the weeds a little if there's 
uh, potential for a lower seed to to pack that place, like you were saying, if it if it were Chicago and Michigan State or something yeah. like that, um, I would a thousand times rather them play uh, in the West as a one seed um, than in the East as a two seed. Yeah, so it would be extraordinarily improbable that they would end up like a two in like Duke's, or, because yeah, so probably the rules, the then, yeah. So the way the rules are lined out, like the first four teams the first four teams from a conference on the top four seed lines have to go in different whatever. But if there's five teams from the ACC, which isn't going to happen in the top, whatever. Um, so we wouldn't end up in the East. So we still wouldn't get DC. So that's like definitely a no there. Um, if you're playing, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Yeah. Maybe go out West. The only one that I would say like Midwest, like I said, I don't care. I think Kansas City is not that far. It's not that much further than Louisville, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's the where the South is being played. Um, but I think it, it just got to take the – are they really going to shoot all that differently in L.A. than they are in Louisville? I don't know. Maybe they need to why? Like, like why? Maybe they need to get further away from us so they we right. can't freak them out <laughs> with our panicking. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They, they seem to shot fine when they go abroad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah um, no i i think i'm with you like take the one um, right. next question where should jack salt be on the depth chart behind diakite and huff i hope this um, is sarcastic because he should be exactly where he is and starting <laughs> yeah i mean i get the like just because he's starting if the question is should he be getting more minutes than diakite yes. and huff that's a better question than on the i mean you're gonna start him you know also the two of them together is like that's a solid defense yeah yeah and it's not even i do get what people say that the defense obviously has to respect different things when jay huff's on the court but rarely do you see jay and diakite together so right in my mind i'm right right like i don't think we've seen them out there together very often um I'm racking so, my brain for images of it. Right? <laughs> I I, like I'm, I'm comfortable saying that I, in general, I would think Mamadi gets more minutes than, than Salt does. Because I think there's times where you don't want Salt there when then there's other times where you need to give him a break. <laughs> for you know, I, yeah. I just think Mamadi is more versatile in that you can move, you can play him with Jack but you could also play him at the five and go a smaller lineup. And, and that happens where instead of playing that, le- it's less likely that you're going to have Jack by himself or Jack with Huff. It's more likely yeah. you'll have Jack and Mamadi. And then if you're going to play any of the three of those by themselves, it's I'd, I'd rather see Mamadi more often. You know, it's sort of one, one, a one B yeah. like, for us. Um, I honestly think that, Tony's play, coach Ben's playing pretty well. I think mm-hmm. you could probably, I'd like to see, I could, I could live with seeing more Jay Huff. I'm not in the like, why isn't he out there more like freak out type thing. I could live with seeing more Jay Huff. And I think Jay Huff has progressively earned more playing time and we've seen him get on the court therefore more often. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also not perfect as he's shown. He's missed some dunks. There are some, <laughs> he's left some stuff out there and that's fine because guess what? not a single player on that roster is perfect. So there are going to be games where he's not going to shoot a perfect four for four and have nine points in seven minutes and three blocks because that's absurd. No one can keep that up. So, and yeah, for my sanity, most frequent lineups over the past five games, not any of them have 
Mamadi and Huff together. So I believed you. Yeah, yeah. that was just for my sanity. I was like, I don't think I've seen them together because that would be like two baby giraffes that they're running around together. I love it. <laughs> Uh, Eliza, big fan of the podcast. Eliza chimes in with Will Kyle, guys, puppy, ruin the season. Eliza, I think we've seen clearly he's doing the opposite. Yeah. Clearly he's helping Kyle Guy. He's the motivator. Just hand it to Carolina. Uh, I mean, Kyle Guy's puppy's name, you know his name. It's not Quinoa. <laughs> you were saying earlier, we were watching Instagram notifications about Kyle Guy's puppy who has the same Damn middle straight. name as Kyle Guy. Yes. And as our buddies on One Shining Pod were discussing, why didn't they name it Kyle Dog? I <laughs> <That laughs> would have been so happy. I, I know that I'm stealing their joke. I'm giving them full credit. It's <laughs> yeah. an amazing, not just joke, amazing idea. But also started all these conversations about like, do dogs have middle names? Like my dog does not have a middle name. No. Does she have a middle name? You know? I mean, I like, I gave my dog the middle name, Buttface later. (laughs) Like he earned extra names. Yeah. (laughs) Bennett, stop barking. (laughs) But I didn't come out of the gate with a a middle name, um, which I think people, uh, it should work that way too. I think you should yeah. earn more official names rather because than you go through life names. and you do different yeah. things. You get new. You start with one name. <laughs> it's just your last your, name. It's like achievements. Um, yeah, exactly. But no, I, I think Kyle Guy's puppy is, is clearly helping him. So. She is so cute, and I am living for the Instagram content <laughs> because a bunch of the guys. Also, I just think really tall people with small animals is really funny. Sure. Uh, just like as an aesthetic, and so like I think Jack Universally has a dog. Yeah, he yeah. has like a Frenchie. Um, Does he really? I think. Yeah. And like, um, just really tall guys holding small yeah. puppies makes me laugh. So I'm like all for it. Okay, they, they seem to be calling him her quinoa instead of uh, Kenai. I think next next dog you get, you have to name Kyle Dog. <laughs> yes. oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> also, my, my mom might kill me if I get another dog at this point. <laughs> I'd officially be running uh, like a shelter at that point. <laughs> the state would intervene. Yeah, well, I think that was our last uh, real uh, question. So yeah, thanks yeah, everybody for sending questions. Excellent yep. fan question, listener question, expert question segment there. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll close things off though, and and we'll be back next week uh, following the game uh, against Notre Dame, and hopefully the the Hoos look good, and because they got a quick turnaround again uh, to go to Blacksburg, well, uh, I believe uh, on Monday. Uh, that's on ESPN. Yeah. Monday, uh, February 18th. So stay tuned to the blog uh, for plenty of posts and pre coverage of those games until next week. Uh, I'm Pierce and for Caroline, everybody else go who's.